0: Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I am your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to all of us. And today, very happy to have as our guest, Jeff Rubin, who is a teacher of Buddhist meditation and psychology, and has created a program to support people with chronic illness called Unconditional Healing.
1: Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Tom, and uh, thanks uh, for having me.
0: Well, I'm very happy. As I think I said briefly to you before, <laughs> my hope for this program is to bring to people something positive that they can look at it as good news as opposed to what we get flooded to us all the time
1: absolutely and i'm uh, guilty of uh, doom scrolling myself as they say right well i think that what you're doing and have
0: been doing for quite a while is offering people something that's really good news there is good news you can have some unconditional healing and particularly around chronic pain which is or chronic illness which is such a, a well i don't have to tell you you have your own issues to deal with. I Why don't do. we start with you? How did you begin this process?
1: Well, um, I'm going to start before I became ill, and uh, I had been a, um, a Buddhist for uh, 25 years at that point, and um, a teacher for probably 15 of those. And then uh, I, uh, I was uh, working in the uh, customer experience industry as a usability consultant with emerging technologies. And um, I suddenly noticed that my voice was getting raspy and uh, hoarse. <clears throat> and it still is uh, to this day, but I'll, uh, I'll fast forward in uh, a bit. And I went to an ENT doctor, and he said, um, you know, I I thought it may have been a reflux, but I think it's a neurological, and that started me on my journey. I went to a neurologist after that and couldn't get a clear diagnosis. Uh, at that point, it was just my voice voice. Um, getting a raspy and uh, having difficulty projecting my voice as well. And I ended up going for many, many tests. And finally, I went to the uh, ALS Center in uh, Manhattan, and um, they uh, took even more tests, of course, some of which I thought at the time were quite barbaric. <clears throat> and I even said that to the doctor. But um, she said to me in the exam room, I'm pretty sure you have ALS based on the uh, test so far, but I'd like to do uh, a bit more testing. And um, at that point, that was uh, one turning point for me. That's a big turning point when they tell uh, you that. A huge turning (laughs) point. I was uh, terrified. But I thought... I'm not going to go back. I don't want to, I don't want my mind to hear that diagnosis. Right. Definitively. right. So I, uh, I didn't go back and I started doing my own research. And then around two years later, I went for another battery of tests to another, uh, well-known neurologist in uh, New York city. <clears throat> and, uh, he didn't even know more, uh, Um, blood work tests, looking for everything but ALS, you know, because it's a diagnosis of um, uh, elimination. You find out everything it's not, and then you're left with that diagnosis. And um, after a time, he came up with the same thing. Um, 95% sure you have ALS, but I want to do a more invasive test. And again, I said, no, thank you. I don't know what I'm going to do with a diagnosis that has no known cause and no known cure. What am I about to do with that? Right, and doing some more invasive stuff does not seem like oh, the thing you'd like to I do. I know, I know. Muscle biopsies and um, you know, spinal taps and all that. So I, uh, I really went off on my own because I did not see another neurologist uh, conventionally, a neurologist for 10 years. And I went and uh, did my own uh, internet research for 20 hours a week for months and months and months and uh, visited alternative doctors. Tibetan doctors, Vietnamese doctors, traditional Chinese medicine doctors, chiropractors, um, Ayurvedic, uh, healers, mystics, I- You covered the field. I covered the field. And I was also getting on with groups online. And fortunately, I was very comfortable with the internet at that point in nascent form. So this is around 2003, 2004. I was still able to work, but now my legs were starting to be affected, and I was using a cane at that point. So um, um, at that point, I was consulting with my Buddhist teachers, and they were turning this totally on its head. They were saying, one of them said, celebrating your illness with enthusiasm. <laughs> and I said, oh my God, what am I to do with that one piece of advice? Um, I don't wanna really celebrate this, but um, they also gave me these practices to do, which um, I'll, I'll call them reverse meditations. And reverse. they're reverse meditations because you've taken something horrible and you come out with something positive. And the positive was from a spiritual viewpoint, being ill, facing adversity is the greatest thing because it forces you to ask very deep questions and it brings a sense of urgency and focus to your life that you do not have. That uh, we're all really complacent. We all know about impermanence. We all know we're going to die, but we don't really get on the wheelhouse for, for that fact until Absolutely. we're really threatened. Absolutely. And
0: in some way, what you're talking about is what the whole world has been told and given a diagnosis of right now and, and has made it really important for each of us who are you know, home alone type, so, or even with somebody
1: to look inside. And You're th- exactly right, Tom. Uh, the world is going through this um, universally altogether, and we're seeing how many different ways there are <laughs> to relate to this adversity. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And uh, some of them are not very helpful to the population at large, as we know. Right. But so when
0: you saw that and got a sense of what that meant, where did you go from there?
1: Well, um, I started to become as terrified, and um, I started to really believe that uh, the diagnosis was incorrect in my case, and I didn't have ALS, because I was progressing very slowly, and the typical life cycle of ALS, as I've come to know from groups I've uh, i um participating, not run the ALS groups, but participating in three to five years, although it varies, and some people go longer, some people go much faster, but I was really going slowly, and um, it was manageable. I was moving from a cane eventually to a walker, which I use today, and um, and then I kept doing my research, but at that point, I started um, getting really inspired. I went to a um, a workshop in uh, Sky Lake, uh, in um, Rosendale, New York, Sky Lake Lodge, which is a meditation center in the uh, Shavala Buddhist uh, tradition. And I uh, became enchanted with the place. Uh, eventually, I joined the board there, but. Um, I went to a uh, workshop called Boundless Healing by a teacher called Toklu Tuna, a Tibetan uh, teacher and author, and I loved it. I loved it. We all gathered together, 17 or 18 of us, and uh, um, he had us going through these visualizations, which really helped to uh, bring... uh, um, healing to a, uh, a really focused, present point, uh, not in the future and not in the past, really uh, right there. And the only thing missing for me personally was there was no time for us as participants to really share our pain and what we were going through right. personally. Um, the exercises were great, but there was no uh, downtime to do that. And I I said to myself, even though I had no intention of doing anything further at that point, I said to myself, if I ever do this, I'm going to build something, a workshop where there is plenty of time for us to, you know, pour our hearts out and witness each other's pain directly. And I ended up doing that when it turned out that Skylink was looking for a program in the uh, healing. Uh, world, and I developed this program called Non-Conditional Healing, and that was the first one in 2006.
0: And what shape did that take? I mean, you talk about being able to
1: unload. Was that people telling about their pain, or was it... It was a uh, weekend workshop, uh, Friday night, Saturday, all day Saturday, and then Sunday until around the afternoon, and uh, it featured meditation, of course, which uh, I, I found was extremely helpful to me personally uh, for getting a hold of my emotions and my, my wild-ass thoughts uh, going wild about uh, fear-based. Right.
0: Meditation can
1: cl- slow the
0: mind down, definitely. Oh,
1: absolutely. And uh, you can uh, really uh, relate to yourself uh, without a filter. You know without all that um i should be doing this i shouldn't be doing that and all the uh chastising that we do to ourselves um so meditation was our part but then i i had them do this thing called a reflection circle where we're all gathered in a circle which is inherently healing itself right ever sent in the circle No beginning, no end, no one in charge. And it's all very democratic and lack of a hierarchy. And uh, one at a time, and this was important because um, it was a linear sharing. In other words, one person shared what was top of mind for them um, and then usually revolving around. And I should say, Tom, um, unconditional healing is not just chronic illness or acute illness. It's any major adversity that turns your world upside down, whether okay. it's a loss of livelihood. Uh, your loved one comes home and says, I don't love you, and I want a divorce. And you lose a loved one. Anything in that realm, uh, unconditional healing uh, works with. Wonderful. So, so people were there who uh, were paraplegic, who had cancer, who had um, lost a loved one. We had caretakers there with their uh, spouses who they were caring for. And everyone, one time, although it was voluntary, everyone I remember wanted to speak. And they would speak, um, and then we would all pause. And then the next person would speak without any inter-discussion between their parties. And then when everyone who wanted to speak had spoken, then we opened up the floor for a crosstalk, and people would ask, oh, questions, or, or, oh, that happened to me, and this is the way I handled it, and a lot of, um, you know, sharing uh, back and forth about uh, what people were going through. And right. then I would uh, give a talk on a theme, And uh, I ended up giving a a talk on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and we would have discussion and Q&A around that. And that's pretty much how it proceeded. And I even did uh, one of the uh, boundless healing visualization practices that I uh, shared with them that I had learned at that uh, other uh, workshop. Wonderful. Now that was a while ago. Uh, Today, is it look
0: like that today? Is that
1: what well, you're offering? Well, I, I realized right away, Tom, uh, I realized, well, that was great. And I got a lot of uh, good feedback from people that they really uh, were glad they came. But then what? Then you go back and you're alone again and you're isolated. Right. Traumatizing, you're, you're you, stigmatizing, all that good stuff. You brought up all this stuff. I know. Right, <laughs> so uh, I realized that we needed something else, and then when I and that's when I um, initiated what I call the healing circle, which is a uh, part support group, part community, part education, from the uh, unconditional healing teachings, and um, they meet um, in person when there's not a pandemic. We meet in person, and uh, there's one in L.A., and there's one in uh, Manhattan that I run. And uh, we meet monthly, and we gather for three hours, and we meditate. We have the reflection circle. Normally, if I'm running it, I'll give a, a short talk, and then we'll have an open discussion. And there's always a social sharing of food and drink. Because that's so, so important. you need some downtime to just chill and you know get to know uh, the other participants. And uh, that's pretty much been going on since uh, 2007 that's in wonderful. the in person meetings.
0: That's quite wonderful. Now, obviously you can't have in person now, but are you still having them online?
1: Yes, and uh, I was doing um, I started doing virtual healing circles for all those people who I was hearing couldn't make an LA or New York City healing circle, of course. Um, And then I started doing virtuals around five years ago. I would do them every four to six weeks. Well, when the pandemic hit, I started doing them weekly uh, from March to June. And then in June, I went to... um, bi-weekly, every second and fourth Saturday of the month. We do a, a virtual healing circle, and i have been doing him on that schedule ever since. And I'll, I'm, I'll continue post-pandemic with that schedule because it's working so well, and we're getting people from all over the world attending. That's wonderful.
0: And as I understand it, for those particular circles, there's no cost, is that true? That's correct. Well, now you have to make a living. Mm. So, I mean, I'm glad you're doing it, but are you able to find private practice with us?
1: Well, um, I'm uh, retired from my main uh, profession, and I'm uh, I'm pretty comfortable as I am. Uh, But uh, we do uh, ask for Donna offerings if uh, people want to make them, and several people do offer uh, something. to me uh, for hosting these. Um, and uh, I, I also do um, private consultation with either unconditional healing folks or Dharma students because I'm, I'm basically a Dharma uh, Buddhist teacher. Uh, that was my main training in right. the uh, Buddhist world. And then uh, a certified meditation instructor. So I also have fee-based clients that I take on. Well, that's good. I mean, I I, I want you to have that so, so you can
0: continue doing the other stuff. And, and me that's too. And,
1: and me too.
0: Yes, I think it's wonderful because Thank you're you. offering help to people and help that I had never heard of before, and I have been aware of some of these. Cr- what I would call chronic, whether or not it's a physical illness or an emotional illness right, has been around. I've been involved, as I've told other people, in 12-step programs for 33 years. Wow. And while it's not the same as what you're doing, there's a similarity to that in the circle sharing and getting support and how it brings up wonderful stuff and tough stuff, but you get support around it. And that is so much better than mm-hmm. sitting at home.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Now that you mentioned that, Tom, what I found through all my interactions with people who are ill or going through adversity, there's a universal aspect. And the universal aspect is stigmatization. People feel stigmatized for being not perfect or not, you know, in the uh, mainstream Whatever it is they're going through, and they self-isolate.
0: Right, and, and and the image of what is perfect is not theirs; it's given by somebody else, the media, or the exactly. whatever. But not what really is your idea, personal idea of perfect.
1: Exactly idea right. of how you
0: want to live your life.
1: You're you're exactly right, and unfortunately, we internalize that. Right.
0: Well, and we yeah. also get help on that—not to blame parents, <laughs> but parents do. Do share some of that to children and, and some undoing of that, it seems to be necessary. And you're yes. doing that, which is wonderful. Yes,
1: yes. It's great.
0: Well, it's amazing, but you know this conversation has gone so beautifully and so quickly, we're almost out of time. Uh, but I want to make sure before we end here, what um, if someone who's listening to this would like to get in touch with you, learn about this, the circles or learn about working with you, what's, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: Okay, uh, two ways. Um, they can reach out to me personally via email, jjrubin at gmail.com.
0: Should I say that again,
1: please. All right, I will spell it jjrubin at gmail.com. That would be one way. And okay. then the other way is a uh, website, Unconditional Healing org. That's .org. healing. all one big word, .org. Right. .org.
0: Wonderful. That's marvelous. Well, moving to the, the last question, if that's, we haven't been doing too many questions, we've just been having a wonderful conversation. But my question to you is, what is your vision, or hope, or what do you think has come from this, that, that, that is positive, besides that you're doing this work, but for, at the end of the pandemic, what will we be looking towards?
1: You mean uh, me personally or... Uh... Well, you and what you hope
0: for the, for the rest of us.
1: Mm. You know, I really hope that people will connect with meditation practice above all because I found it so helpful in relating to adversity myself. Now... It does need a little bit of uh, mentoring at first, but then it's something that you don't need a doctor, you don't need anyone else. You can be with yourself um, and feel what you feel. And uh, the main, the main, um, uh, the main obstacle is that we're we're taught to heal in a certain way, and we we gravitate toward the physical aspect of healing, like what I call curing or fixing. And that's 100% of healing to many, many people. And they ignore the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual aspects of healing. And in unconditional healing, we have this four-fold model of all four at work, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, and no one else can help us with the uh, mental, and the emotional, and spiritual other than ourselves. Now, obviously, we can go for therapy, and we can work with a meditation instructor, but it really comes down to no doctor can cure or fix what is going on in there. We have to be able to do it ourselves, and meditation is a wonderful vehicle for working on that aspect. Absolutely, and you almost are a a promo
0: for my show, because (laughs) the next person I'm going to be interviewing is a meditation teacher who discovered uh, he was doing it in person in California, and the pandemic came, so he put it online. He's opened it up to the world. He now has every day, five days a week, about Seventy to eighty people for a half-hour meditation.
1: Wonderful. What's his uh, What's his name?
0: His name is Roger Nolan, and okay, um, I can send you information on it. I
1: life. I can look him up. Thank okay. you.
0: And um, he will be my guest next week. Perfect follow-up to you. Wonderful. Excellent. Excellent. It's wonderful. Well, I Jeff, I really appreciate this conversation. It has been a, a delight. I'm so happy you came to do this with me. I appreciate it.
1: And, and thank you, Tom. And uh, thanks for uh, doing this work. It's really well, important. I'm bringing this, bringing this to the world. I think it's
0: important that I'm glad to bring it to the world. So thank you. And thank all our listeners to, to tuning in to the Heart of Healing the Pandemic episodes. Have a great week.
1: And stay uh, safe. Stay safe.